2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 22. Second Timothy 4, verses 9 through 22. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. In my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his, his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's pray. God, we pray that you indeed would speak through your word, that you would indeed plant your truth deep in our hearts, that we would be more and more like your Son. We pray that you would do this as we think together about Paul's final words here in 2 Timothy. We will thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. So, Paul here has come to the end of his letter. This is not only the, le- the, the end of the letter to Timothy, this is, the, this is the end of all of Paul's writings in the New Testament. This is, the, this is it. This is it. These are Paul's final words. Paul knows that he is going to be executed very soon. Paul knows. He knows he has come to the end. We saw that last week where he says, I have, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. He says, I have finished the race. Paul's done. He's done. This is the end. And so what we're looking at here this morning is, is Paul's final words to Timothy and to us. And as we look at these, these final verses, two themes stand out. And there, and there are two themes that have been running all the, all the way through this letter and actually through a lot of Paul's correspondence to different people and to different churches that we have in the New Testament. Two things stand out. One, Paul is heavily invested in people. And then second, number two, Paul is joyfully confident in the Lord. Those are the the two points to our sermon this morning. Those are two big themes that stand out as we wrap up this letter. Paul is heavily invested in people, and Paul is joyfully confident in the Lord. And this is who Paul was right up to the end. 
right up to the end of his life, Paul was heavily invested in people and Paul was joyfully confident in the Lord. And I'm telling you, this is how I want to come to the end for myself as well. When I come to the end of my life, the end of my ministry, when, when God decides it's time for me to be done here on earth, I want to be able to say with Paul that I have been right up to the end heavily invested in people, and joyfully confident in the Lord. So let's look at these two points together. The first one, Paul is heavily invested in people. We see that um, especially in verses 9-15, through 15, and then we also see it down in verses 19-22. through 22. If you look at verses 19-22, through 22, this is just people, people, people. This is Greek, um, it's Prisca here, it's Priscilla and Aquila. It's the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus was the guy who, who served Paul greatly. And when, when Paul's talking about his household, it seems like Onesiphorus has probably passed away now. And so Paul still cares for his household. Erastus remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, who is ill, at Miletus. These are just people that Paul is close to. Eubulus sends greetings. Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers... Paul loved people. He had names of people on his heart and on his mind. He prayed for people. He was invested in people. And we see right up to the end, verse 22, he says to Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Paul wanted Timothy to know Jesus and to know His grace. Paul was a disciple maker right up to the very end. To the very end, Paul wants to make disciples of Jesus who will make disciples of Jesus. And he wants those disciples of Jesus to make disciples of Jesus that will make disciples of Jesus. And on and on and on. Paul, Paul is a disciple maker. He wants generations of Jesus followers. Paul is all about people. Paul knows ministry is done with people. Theology is done with people. The Gospel is spread to people. Ministry is about people. And I think we've already felt this in our short time apart. I mean, because I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for the ability to, to live stream services. And, and I'm thankful for the ability to, to connect through texting and email and, and other ways. I'm thankful. But we were meant to be together. I bet. And, and, and proof of this is, I bet that even after only a couple of weeks, there's even people out there listening who miss me by now. I mean, I know you miss my family, I know you miss each other, but isn't it proof of something that at least a few of you miss me? That, I mean, doesn't that show you something? Uh, um, someone asked me last week when, when I was preaching, they said, so, so the people that were there helping with music and sound, did they, did they laugh at your jokes? And I said, well, the funny ones. <laughs> I mean, uh, not all of them, no. And so anyhow... Ministry is about people. It's about people. And when Paul is saying this, when Paul is right down to the very end talking about Linus and Claudius and Pudens and, and Priscilla and Aquila, and he's talking about the guy who's, who's ill in Miletus, when, when Paul, I mean, to the very end, Paul cares about this one dude who's sick in Miletus. When to the very end, Paul is a people person. The, the, the amazing thing about that is that Paul knew the ups and downs of life with people. He knew how caring for people and investing in people can hurt you. 
Paul knows what it's like to go through the ups and downs of ministry with people in the real world. He knows what it's like for people to abandon him. Verse 10 says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. I used to think this meant that Demas deserted the Gospel altogether. That Demas turned away from the faith. But I I, I did a little bit of reading this week, and I don't think that's what happened. This is not the wording Paul would use here. It's not the wording he uses when people turn away from the faith. I think that Demas just abandoned Paul. Demas just didn't want to do ministry with Paul anymore. The grind. And, and can you imagine going on the road with the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine the kind of warrior you would have to be to be a church planter with Paul? It must have been exhausting. And Demas is in love with this present world, which probably means he wanted his comfort. He wanted his comfort. And so he turned his back on gospel ministry. He said, I can't do this with you anymore, Paul. You're, you're, you're too hardcore, buddy. I'm out. I'm out. Paul knew what it was like just to have a friend who was with him not be with him anymore. Paul also knew what it was like to have people hate you and mistreat you because of, because of the Gospel. He, he looked down at verse 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself. He's saying to Timothy, stay away from Alexander the coppersmith. He is bad news. For he strongly opposed our message. So this isn't, this isn't like Demas who, who just didn't want to do, the, to do the church planting with Paul anymore. He just couldn't be the missionary. He's like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to go to Thessalonica. I've got to have an easier life. I can't, I can't do it anymore, Paul. This is not that. This is Alexander who hates the gospel itself. Hates the gospel message. And so he was on a war path against Paul. A lot of people think that Alexander the coppersmith is the guy who got Paul in prison here in Rome uh, to begin with. He's the, he's the one who brought up some false charges against him. He's the one who got him imprisoned in the, in the first place. We don't know if that's true, but we do know he was on the war path against Paul. Paul says, Timothy, stay away from him. Paul knew what it was like to be hated for the sake of the Gospel. Paul also knew what it was like to have friends leave for good reasons, too. I mean, the end of verse 10. Crescens has gone to Galatia. And Crescens, that might not be how I pronounce your name, buddy. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. Anyhow, I'm calling you Crescens. Crescens has gone. And really, your mom called you that. So, I, I mean, that's, that's on you. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. These are people who are gone now. They're gone, but they're all gone for good reasons. Crescens and Titus and Tychicus, Paul has sent to other areas that needed um, that needed a, a, a pastor in a new church, or, or they needed gospel witness. They needed guys who could shepherd and pastor the church, and so Paul sent them to to strategic locations. They were gone for good reasons, but Paul still misses them. Paul still feels the aloneness. He misses his people. Paul loves people. We see that especially here in verse 11 where it says, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. See, now Mark and Paul have a backstory. 
All right. Um, Mark started out with Paul years ago, um, but Mark decides to drop out. And I don't know why he drops out. It could be some of the same reasons as Demas dropped out. Maybe not quite that severe. We don't know why Mark drops out. But Mark drops out. Paul takes that very hard. When Mark says, no, I, I, I can't keep going with you, Paul. Paul takes that very hard. And so later on, Barnabas, who was with Paul, wants to bring Mark back into the mission. Paul says, no. Paul says, I can't trust him. No. So, and, and this is such a uh, divisive issue that Paul and Barnabas actually split up. Barnabas goes with Paul, or, or I mean, Barnabas goes with Mark. They go off on their own way. And, and Paul teams up with Silas and goes on their own way. But over the years, the relationship mended. We don't know for sure, but we're, we're guessing Mark had to grow up a little bit. He had to grow up a little bit. There was ways where he had to mature. And I would say, not everybody says this, but I would say Paul had to grow up a little bit too. He had to soften a little bit too. There was probably ways where he was too hardcore. Where he was hard to work with. Where he was too demanding. And maybe he took Mark's need and go home. Maybe he took it you know, a little too personally. But over the years, they were reconciled. And now Paul speaks very highly of him. Because Paul loves people. He's rooting for people. He wants to see people made into disciples who will make disciples. He's heavily invested. Paul knows what it's like. Paul has faced what we face when it comes to people. He knows what it's like to have friends turn their back on us. Some come back. Some relationships are mended. Some aren't. He knew what it was like to have people gone for good reasons too. I was thinking about this I was, as I was writing this sermon. I was thinking about the college students. I, um, my wife and I lead the college student class here at First Baptist and we love it. And it's great. We, but the, by the time we really get close to them and we really start to like them and get to know them, they leave. It's a bummer. Now they're leaving for good reasons. They're off to do good things and we're happy for them. But, but ministry with people is hard, even with good stories like that. You feel the loneliness, and you, and you start to feel the, oof, this is not worth it. I gotta, I can't, I, I'm done. I'm done. There's too much sorrow when it comes to investing in people. Paul's example to us today, though, says, no, you keep going. You stay heavily invested in people. And I, it's hard for me when I'm preaching um, to a camera to know what percentage of you are just saying at this point, Steve, get to the point. You keep saying he's invested in people. Why, why does it matter? Why is this such a big deal? Why do, you need to get to the point. If, if, there's a, if there's a crowd of people in here, then I can kind of scan the room and tell who is saying that to me with their eyes and who's not. It's hard to know right now how many of you are saying, get to the point. I know I would be. Especially after I just prattle on about this for 30 seconds. The point is this. A lot of people love Paul's theology. Paul is a brilliant man. He is a theological giant. There are, book, there are thousands of books written about what Paul wrote. 
Right? There are thousands of books, and we still haven't tapped out all that Paul wrote in his letters. He understood God. He understood God's grace. He saw things that we'll never see until heaven. And he knew things, and he understood things. And he had this giant view of who God is. He has this huge love for the Gospel. And so we love that about Paul. Paul just goes, he goes off on theology. These huge, huge, rich truths. So there are a lot of people who love the academic, the intellectual, the brain work. They love that part of it. But here's the thing. If if we are really to get... Paul's theology, if we're really to understand his huge view of God, his love for the Gospel, if we're to truly understand that the Gospel truly is just everything, if we're to truly understand the, the, the depth of the riches, the mercy and grace of God that we see in, in Romans and in the letters to the Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if we can get Paul's Theology, if we really get it, we will love people. We will love people. Because our love for people is where our theology shows up. What we truly believe about God shows up in the way that we love people. That's where the proof is. Paul wasn't some academic, theological, intellectual giant who stayed away and didn't interact and didn't know that, that what's-his-name was sick in Miletus. Tro- Trophimus. Trophimus was sick in Miletus. Paul knew, I mean, Paul knew the depth of the riches of the wisdom and mercy of God and he knew that, that Trophimus was sick in Miletus. Why? Because his theology showed up and the way he loved people. The more the richness of what Paul teaches gets into us, the more the beauty of the Gospel gets into us, the more we will love people. And I know it's hard right now because you're social distancing. I know. I know. Loving people in, the, in, in a time of social distancing is hard. I know that some of you hate social distancing because you love to be with people and secretly... Secretly, some of you love social distancing because you hate being with people. You're not a fan of the coronavirus. You're not pro-coronavirus, but you're okay with being quarantined because you don't like people all that much. I don't know which category you're in, but I know either way, now is the time for you to love the people in your life. Are you starting to feel isolated? Are you starting to wither up a little bit? Do you feel like the clouds just kind of coming coming in and, and bringing you down? Do you feel that? Now is the time to love the people in your life. We can, we can do this too. We can, we can pray for people. You can, you can, this afternoon or tomorrow, you can send a text to five people asking them how you can pray for them. Telling them what you're praying for them. You can, you can send letters. Two weeks ago, I didn't even know we still sent letters in America. I thought it was like a thing we stopped doing back when like Reagan was president or something. But we still send letters and we still 
10. So let's send each other letters. Let's figure out safe, sanitary ways to send care packages or gift cards. Let's figure out ways to do essential errands for people. Let's connect through email or social media or cell phone. And I know it's not as good. I know it's not. I know it's not. None of it is as good as as actually being with each other and praying with each other and being God's Word together. But it is vital that we keep loving each other as we go through this. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what storms are coming through our lives, no matter what situations are happening in our community, we, we need to be loving people in our lives. Because that's where our, our theology shows up. It's in the way we care for people in our lives. So that's the first big point of these verses. Paul is heavily invested in people. Number two, Paul is joyfully confident in the Lord. Verses 16 through 18 say, at my defense, at my first defense, Paul's, probably what's happening here is um, Paul's trial was in two parts. He had an initial trial and, and, and he was found guilty or guilty enough to be sentenced to prison where he would be brought to a second part of this trial. Um, and that's the one that he's probably waiting for right now or, or the one that just passed where he knows he's going to be executed. So the trial probably came in two parts. Paul says, at my first defense, the first part of the trial, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here we have the secret. Here we have the secret to why Paul could stay invested in people right up to the very end of his life. Here we have the secret why Paul never ditched the gospel ministry. Why Paul never stopped trying to make disciples. Why Paul said, he never said, I'm done. I've been hurt too much. I've been betrayed once too often. I've been abandoned and lied about and left for dead once too often. I'm done. Paul never said it. Because Paul was joyfully confident in the Lord. Have you heard that old uh, cliche or that old phrase that what you're filled with, that's what's going to come out when you're bumped or when you're tipped? Have you heard, have you heard that? When Paul got bumped, and he got bumped a lot, When Paul got bumped, the grace and the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ came tumbling out of him. Scripture puts it this way, that from your heart, your mouth speaks. Your mouth speaks from your heart. What's your heart filled with? Paul was filled with confidence and joy in Jesus Christ. Paul's all about Jesus. That's why Paul had the strength to be heavily invested in people. When we see that, as we looked at these verses, right, we see that. I mean, who does, who does verse 16 remind us of? Who does verse 16 remind us of? 
At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Who is Paul echoing here? Who is Paul reminding us of here? Paul's thinking of his supporters who should have been with him. He was in Rome. Paul had people in Rome. Paul knew people who should have come to this trial. And they, and they should have been with him. Why didn't they? Where were they? What happened? Well, they were afraid. They were afraid. When things got tough, they scrambled. They, they could have shown up, but they didn't. In that moment, who does Paul echo? He echoes Jesus. He remembers Jesus. When Jesus was deserted by his friends, when Jesus was even suffering in a way Paul never could, when Jesus was being crucified by those he came to save, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Paul, when he is abandoned by those he served, he says, may it not be charged against them. When Paul gets bumped, Jesus comes out. When Paul gets bumped, Jesus comes out. Paul's able to just keep rolling along because he firmly believes in the power of Jesus to give him strength. Look at verse 17. Look at how much Paul relies on the strength of Jesus Christ. But the Lord, this is Jesus, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Paul says, I was falsely accused. I was abandoned by my friends. I stood before the judge and the Lord gave me strength. The Lord, the Christ, the Savior, Jesus, who has been there before. Who's been through exactly what Paul is going through and much, much, much worse. That's the one who was strengthening and rescuing Paul. Paul knew that the one who was standing by him and strengthening him, had gone through much worse than he ever would have to go through. So Paul is glad to boldly tell the Gentiles of the Gospel to do what he was called to do decades earlier in the book of Acts, to take the Gospel to the Gentiles. He's glad to boldly do this because the Lord standing by him. The Lord was rescuing him. And the Lord was going to continue to rescue him. Jesus was never going to fail the Apostle Paul. Verse 18. If I had to pick a favorite verse from the letter 2 Timothy, this would be, this would be up there. This would be, a, this would be a candidate for favorite verse in 2 Timothy. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, Jesus is going to rescue me. 
And so, for a while, this means that Jesus is rescuing Paul from physical death. There are many times, if you go through the book of Acts, if you read his account in 2 Corinthians, if you, if you read through what Paul has for us in the New Testament, you'll realize there were many times where Jesus rescued Paul from physical death. There were times where Paul should have been done for. Jesus rescued him. And Paul says, there's going to come a time where I am done for. Most church historians believe that Paul's head was chopped off. You don't come back from that. You don't come back from that. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a game changer. Right? You can't, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. Modern medicine can't do much about the decapitation. In that moment, Paul's literally losing his head. Jesus rescued him. Jesus rescued him. See, there are many, many times where Jesus rescued Paul from physical death. Now he's rescuing Paul through physical death. When Paul breathes his last, Jesus brings him home into his heavenly kingdom where he is safe forever. So if you are a believer, if you are a believer and if you die, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't rescue you. It means that he finally rescued you for good. It means he rescued you and brought you home. This is where Paul's confidence was. He was joyfully confident in Jesus. And he knew that until it was time for, for him to breathe his last, Jesus was going to rescue him. And he knew when it came time for him to breathe his last, Jesus was going to rescue him and bring him home. We live in a heartbreaking world. We live in a frustrating world. We have worries and fears. And, and we, we had that anyhow, right? We had those anyhow. We had our, we had those nagging worries and those nagging anxieties and those nagging fears anyhow. And now we are going through this pandemic and it's bringing a lot of our stuff to the surface. And we don't know. We just, we just don't know what's coming next. We think we might know. We might have some ideas. We don't. We, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know what's going to happen with our jobs. We don't know what's going to happen with our families and our loved ones. I have, I have people, I have people that I am concerned about, that I love, and I, and I am praying God keeps this coronavirus far away from them because it would be bad for them. I know those kinds of fears. It's tempting to as we go through this kind of thing to isolate and just to say, you know what, I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm not going to get in anybody's way. I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing and I'm, I'm just, I got to back off. I can't deal. I'm not healthy enough. I'm not mentally healthy enough. I'm not able. I'm not emotionally strong enough right now. I can't, I can't keep caring for people. I can't keep making disciples. I got to just, I've got to stop. Where do we find the strength to keep going? We find it in Jesus. Jesus has rescued you thousands of times. You only know about five of them. 
Jesus has rescued you thousands of times. And He will rescue you and rescue you and rescue you until He rescues you for good. Where does Paul, how does Paul know this? Where does Paul get this courage and this confidence? I read a few commentaries on this passage this week, and a bunch of them pointed out something that I'd never noticed, something remarkable that I'd never noticed. I mean, it's not, it's not remarkable because I didn't notice it. I, there's all kinds of things I, d- I don't notice. That's not remarkable. I mean, it is remarkable, and I didn't notice it. When Paul is at the end of his life here, he is turning to one of the Psalms that Jesus turned to when he was on the cross. We, we get an insight here. We get a little bit of a, just an insight into Paul's thinking here when he talks at the end of, of 2 Timothy about standing before this, this, this judge and standing in this trial and being abandoned by his friends and being rescued out of the lion's mouth. When we, when we hear Paul talk about that, we get an insight into where Paul gets his confidence. He gets it from Scripture. He gets it from Scripture. This little passage here that we, we read together this morning and thought about together this morning, this little 2 Timothy 4, this, this, is, this passage is full of Psalm 22. In verse 16, Paul says, All deserted me. This is very much like Psalm 22.1 where it says, Why have you forsaken me? Verse 16 says, No one came to stand by me. This is like Psalm 22.11. There is none to help. Verse 17, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Very much like Psalm 22.21, save me from the mouth of the lion. Verse 17 says, and all the Gentiles might hear it. It's much like Psalm 22.27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Verse 18, Paul says, and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. This is much like Psalm 22.28, kingship belongs to the Lord. I don't know if Paul was doing this consciously or subconsciously. Either Paul was trying to allude to Psalm 22 just like Jesus did in Jesus' final moments here on earth. I don't know. I don't know what Paul was trying. If he was trying to do it or if he was just so filled with Scripture that he was subconsciously doing it. But I said that when you bumped Paul, Jesus came tumbling out. That's because when you bumped Paul, Scripture came tumbling out. As we're going through this, let's commit ourselves to the study of God's Word. To the truth of God's Word. Let's carve out time with our family to study the Word of God. To encourage each other with the Word of God. I want to love people. I don't want to just bunker down. I don't want to turtle up and just say, you know what? I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm just done. I don't want to do that. And I want you to love people. I want you and me to love God so much. I want us to love God's glory so much. I want us to be so thankful for God's grace and mercy to us that we love people. I want us to be able to come to the end and look back and say, I invested in people. I cared for the people in my life. If we're gonna, if we're gonna get there and if we're gonna sustain that, 
then we're going to need joyful confidence in Jesus. We're going to need a deep belief that Jesus alone gives us strength. Jesus alone rescues us. i got to stop and ask you right now, is Jesus your rescuer? Is He your Savior? Have you personally trusted Christ? Have you believed that His death on the cross, His burial, His resurrection are what you need to be forgiven of your sins? That you are guilty before God and you need the, 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 the substitution, the death that Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross. You need that to be forgiven of your sins, to, to be made right with God. Have you believed that? Is Jesus your rescuer? Then walk in that truth. If you've believed it, then walk in that truth. Then, then, then keep believing it. If you haven't believed it, reach out to us. If you're not sure about it, if you've got questions about it, reach out to us. Send us a, send us a message on Facebook. Call a church. Get a hold of us. We'll talk, we'll talk with you about it. We'll try to answer your questions. And if you have believed, then walk in that. Remember, day to day, Jesus is your rescuer. Jesus is the one that gives you strength to serve Him. And He will keep rescuing you until that moment where He rescues you for the final time. Where He rescues you by bringing Him home, bringing you home to Him. I can keep loving people because I can, by God's grace, believe that Jesus is going to be my strength and He is going to keep rescuing me until that day He rescues me by bringing me home to Him. The Lord, verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that to the very end, Your servant Paul loved people and was confident in Jesus. And we thank You even more for the Jesus that Paul was confident in. We thank You that we can be confident in Jesus as well. We thank You for the strength that only Christ provides. We thank You that it is all that we need. And we thank You that He will rescue us and rescue us and rescue us until He rescues us home to You. We pray that You would give real encouragement and real strength through this truth. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.